Wow, I'm so glad to be back up here to share the good news with you tonight. Man, the Lord has been really working in my heart. I get so excited. I go back to the book and I read over the, de the devotions and I'm like, which one do I start with? What do I do? So I'm just going to go in order tonight. So we're on week four um, of, of uh, Let Jesus Love the Weight Off of You. And we're starting out with, and really the theme that we're going to carry on through this whole evening is recognize the lies that have held you captive. And I'm telling you what. The Holy Spirit has been working on my heart to deal with condemnation, guilt, and shame. And I'm telling you what, that is going away tonight. It has been defeated. If you're still carrying it around with you, let Jesus love that weight off of you tonight as we get into our message. Hallelujah. Let's put up the first scripture. It's from Psalm 107 verses 13 and 14 in the Passion Translation. I love this. It says, Then we cried out, Lord, help us, rescue us. And he did. He did. His light broke through the darkness and he led us out in freedom from death's dark shadow and snapped every one of our chains. Every chain that has held you down and held you back has been snapped by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Do you believe that about yourself tonight? I'm going to be declaring some truths and some scriptures over you, over myself. But you know what? We get to choose whether we believe them or not, whether we believe what God says about us is true. You know, have you ever believed something about yourself and then looked back and thought, whatever possessed me to think that? I mean, have you ever had that happen to you? And you're like, why was I even thinking that about myself? I remember all through high school and college thinking I was fat and ugly. I mean, I just felt like I was fat and ugly all the time, all through those years. And then when I got up to um, 222 pounds, I had gone back home and was visiting with my mom, and she was getting the pictures out, and I was looking at some of my pictures from when I was in high school and college, and I was shocked. I was like, oh my goodness, I was pretty. I was kind of gorgeous, and in fact, I was kind of thin. Whatever, whatever possessed me to think something so strange about myself. Have you ever had that happen to you? Why do we have such a distorted view and opinion of ourselves sometimes? I think it has to do with insecurities, and insecurities tie directly to our identity, who we believe we are. When your insecurities start showing up, we start believing that there's something wrong with us. And it starts manifesting and coming out in so many different ways. Maybe we feel rejected by someone. Or maybe we've made a mistake. Or, or we tried to do something before and it just didn't work out the way we thought it would. So those self-condemning thoughts, those insecurities start showing up. And they start rolling over and over in our minds. Lies like a broken record that just keep playing, and they never seem to stop. There must be something wrong with you. Why aren't you good at basketball? Your sister was good at basketball. You have the same mom and dad. Why can't you play basketball? You stink at it. I remember thinking those thoughts. I was terrible at basketball. Why do you say stupid things? Maybe that's why people don't want to hang out with you, because you're always saying something dumb. 
those self-condemning thoughts. That's why nobody wants to be with you. That's why you're not a success. Whenever we get stuck in those self-condemning thoughts, it can feel like we're trapped and we have no way out. In the book, I tell a story about something that happened just this last fall. It was, a, it was a very tough morning, or it seemed that way at the time when we still had the kids, our grandkids living with us, and all four of them were downstairs, and we were getting ready for school, and we were trying to get breakfast, and I don't even know what happened, but I'm telling you what, something happened that morning, and something was said or done, and it just hit me sideways, and I lost my cool. Have you ever had one of those sideways moments where you're just like, the shock and the anger and this electricity just shoots out of your head and you kind of feel like Frankenstein at the moment and you're ready to just, oh man, it was bad. I yelled at those kids. I mean, I lost my cool. And immediately their heads just went down and their countenance fell. And the guilt and the shame just settled into my heart. It was horrible. I was filled with regret. I couldn't figure out how to get out of it. How did I do this to these kids? This is how they get to start their day? With you being angry and yelling at them? They're just kids. You're the adult. Get it together. And it was all I could seem to do to get through breakfast and try to smile and Mimi, sorry, and I didn't really mean to say that. And, and they got over it pretty quick, but I couldn't get over it. I got everybody packed in the car, and we got to school and got them off for the day, but some reason traffic was really slow that way driving downtown, or it seemed to take forever, and all the while, the whole drive downtown, that scene replayed over and over and over in my mind, and the tears were just streaming down my face, and the lies were just coming to me. You're a terrible parent. You're a horrible parent. They're going to hate you. They're always going to remember how you yelled at them. They're never going to love you. You're a horrible parent. Just over and over and over in my mind, and it wouldn't stop. I couldn't get it to stop. I finally got to work and pulled into the parking garage and, and parked in my spot, and it was dark in there, and I sat there actually kind of glad it was dark because I felt like I had to sit in self-punishment for a little while in this dark place. And I kind of wanted to stay there because I felt like I deserved it for how horrible I had been that morning. But as I sat there trying to enjoy my little pity party, I wasn't really enjoying it, but it was going on in my mind, all of a sudden, this bright, like, can't even imagine, beam of light just shot through the window and smacked me right in the eyes. Like, it was like, boom, it was there. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, somebody had just flipped on the light in the middle of the night. And I'm sitting there, and I'm turning my head this way and that way, trying to get away from this light. And it was really starting to annoy me and make me mad because I was having a good time sitting there in the dark, feeling sorry for myself. And this light would not leave me alone. I moved my seat forward. I moved my seat back, and it just kept hitting me like somebody with a flashlight just doing one of these as I turned my head it wouldn't leave me alone finally I just gave up and I leaned my head back against the seat of my car and I closed my eyes and I remember the feeling and it didn't take long that suddenly this light this bright sunlight that had been annoying and intrusive 
into the situation began to bathe my face in warmth. And then the stress started going down. And then the feelings and the, the con self-condemning thoughts started to dissipate until they finally left. And then the next thing I knew, I started laughing because I couldn't get away from this light. And the reason why I started laughing was because it was like the Father's love is so relentless that he will pursue us to any length to reveal the truth to who we are. That sunlight peeked through that window. I believe it was a gift from God because I just happened to be sitting in this parking garage. I just happened to be there at the right time for the sunlight to just happen to be going through at the right angle to hit me in the face in the car. It's never happened before, and it hasn't happened since. I just happened to be there? I don't think so. I think it was the relentless love of my Father. He will not stop at anything to get his truth to me about who I am. He will not leave me in darkness, even if I want to stay there. I'm telling you tonight, whatever darkness you have been dealing with in your life is gone in the name of Jesus because the Father is not going to leave you there. Hallelujah. Woo, somebody better preach in this house tonight. <laughs> oh my goodness, I've been, this has been in me for a couple of days. I'm just telling you, get ready, it's coming out. Woo, his love is relentless. And it just reminds me of David in the Psalms that says, Surely your goodness and your mercy is going to chase me down every day of my life. Glory to God. That is true. Hallelujah. Woo. He is not going to leave us in darkness. The morning light of his love enveloped my heart, disrupted the darkness of the lies I had been leaving, and that's when I felt his gentle correction come to my heart. You know, when he corrects us, he doesn't put guilt and condemnation and shame on us. He doesn't beat us up. He doesn't drag us down. He doesn't say, look what you did. How terrible. You knew better. No. His correction comes in love and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's how it comes. He said to me, in my heart, the moment you fail is exactly the moment you need to come to me. Yes, that was a mistake, but there's nothing you and I can't do together. The life that flooded my heart in that moment was so amazing. So much joy just burst forth in me because it was like he was telling me, let me take care of those kids. Let me minister to their hearts. I've got their life. Do you think anything you could do could ever prevent my love from getting to them? Hallelujah. His love, just like the sunlight, wrapped me up and completely enveloped me till there were no more lies left for me to believe. Hallelujah. I love how he corrects us. Listen to this verse in Psalm chapter 18, or chapter 16 from David. I love this. It's in the Passion Translation. It says, the way you counsel and correct me makes me praise you more. For your whispers in the night or in the dark, woo, they give me wisdom. They show me what to do next. 
because you are close to me and always available, my confidence will never be shaken. For I experience your wraparound presence every moment. My heart and soul explode with joy, full of glory. Hallelujah. Even my body will rest confident and secure, for you will not abandon me to the realm of death, nor will you allow your Holy One to experience corruption. And I love this last line. For you bring me a continual revelation of resurrection life, the path to the bliss that brings me face to face with you. He continually brings you the revelation of resurrection life. And he brings you face to face. He makes his countenance to shine on you constantly. I come back to this word all the time. I came back to it all the time on my journey to losing weight. It's a word of revelation, of resurrection life. Times when I've failed, when I've overeaten, when I've felt like giving up, when I've just totally messed up, I come back to this word. And I take part of the revelation of the resurrection life in Jesus. Times when these lies try to come at me again. After I hit my goal of losing weight that I wanted to get to, I found some months later that I put a few pounds on. And it's just the weirdest thing because when you've lost weight, and, and Gwen and I have talked about this, and you come back and you look at yourself and you gain just a few pounds back, for some reason there's this weird lie that tries to get in your mind that you are actually fatter than you were before you went on the diet, which is just bizarre and strange. But that's the way I felt. It kept coming back at me. And I would have these lies eating away at me going, who do you think you are? You're going to struggle with weight all of your life. You're going to be a diet on a diet the rest of your life. You're writing about and speaking about letting Jesus love the weight off of you. What makes you qualified to do that? And these lies would just come back and try to attack me. But then I would go back to the revelation of his resurrection life in me. And he would rescue me once again when I turn my face to his light and let that light break every chain and disrupt every darkness in my life. Those lies can't stick around. I want to tell you something about what a lie is. A lie, by definition, is to make an untrue statement with the intent to deceive. Lies are merely a deception directly from Satan. The Bible says that he is the father of lies. That's the only power that Satan has is lies. The only, and lies only have power as long as we believe them. Lies are darkness that try to cover our souls. But God's love faithfully disrupts the darkness. How? How does it do that? When we remember who we are, when we go back to him for our identity, when he reminds us of who we are and he always reminds us of who we are, his words come back to me and say, there's nothing you and I can't do together. He doesn't leave me there when I make a mistake. He's right there with me in the middle of my mess, in the middle of the mess that I created. He never leaves me. His word says he will not leave me or forsake me. He's not going to let me stay in the darkness. His love, his light will come and disrupt that darkness every single time and destroy every light. Hallelujah. Lies cannot stick around 
in the light of his love. John 8, 12 in the Bible, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never live in darkness, but they will have the light that gives life. Whoever follows Jesus will not live in darkness. It's impossible. Why? Because darkness is nothing. It is merely the absence of light. Lies, by definition, then, are nothing. They are deception. They don't exist. They are darkness. Do you know what darkness is? Like I said, it's the absence of light, and Jesus is that light. He will never leave you or forsake you. Darkness cannot stick around because the light is inside of you. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, he came to live on the inside of you, and he did not leave anything out. And he brought the light of his love on the inside of you with him. Hallelujah. Darkness cannot stick around when the light is in you and you recognize that those lies that you have believed about yourself, they have no power over you in the light of his love. If it doesn't line up with what Jesus says about you, it's not true. And that's not you. That is not who you are. That is the measurement that you always go back to. Jesus, does this line up with you? Does this line up with what you say about me? Then it's not true, and it's not who I am. Jesus is what is true about your life. What's true about Jesus is true about you because it's about identity. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. Jesus is strong. He has self-control. He has a healthy body. He's smart. He's got wisdom. He's successful. He's a best-selling author, as Gwen told us. Hallelujah. And he's on the inside of you. So what's true about him is true about you. Hallelujah. What's true about Jesus is your identity. That is who you are. So how do you get rid of these plaguing, self-condemning lies? Recognize them for what they are, a deception, the absence of light. That's it. Turn your face to the light of the world, and the lies disappear. But here's the point. You don't get rid of anything. Jesus does. It's his light that destroys those lies that are inside of you trying to attack your mind. When Jesus sets you free from the lies that have held you captive, you start to recognize them more easily. And then it does, you don't feel like you have to live a life of secrets and hiding. For so long, I lived a life of secrets and hiding. Because when you believe lies about yourself, they can very easily lead you down a road of addictions and to try to silence those lies. You try anything to just get them to go away, to get a moment of peace. And when you're struggling with an addiction, keeping it to yourself, keeping it a secret is a road to destruction. And I've experienced that in my life. What what came out of me was, was binge eating. I had this... I was pretty good at it. I had this little game I would play called hide and eat. And, man, I knew how to work that thing really well. I would try to make my, you know, little errand to go to the store by myself so that I could have that candy bar or candy bars. And I would buy them, and then I would get in the car, and I'd eat them real quick and stuff the wrappers in my... Don't look at me like y'all have never done that. (laughs) Stuff them in my pocket so I could get rid of the evidence at a later time, and nobody would ever know. 
I got pretty good at that. I was practicing deception and living a life of secrets and hiding. And I heard someone say one time, you're only as sick as your secrets. Why? Because keeping problems to yourself, keeping these things that eat away at you to yourself, internalizing them, keeping them in the dark and stuffing them down doesn't work. You stuff and you stuff and you stuff and they come right back out and they start manifesting in different ways. Like for me, when it was overeating, I was filled with shame and self-condemnation. And the more I stuffed it down and didn't deal with what was really going on in my heart, the more I stuffed myself with food and the more I stuffed myself with condemnation, guilt, and shame. Listen, we are dealing with the condemnation, guilt, and shame tonight because Jesus has snapped every one of those chains and you don't have to carry that weight around with you any longer. Let it fall to the floor where it belongs and just stomp on it right there. In Romans chapter 16, it says, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So you just throw that weight down there that has beset you, that has held you back. It has held held you too long. Those chains are snapped. They're gone. They have no power over you any longer. You just throw it down where they belong right now. Hallelujah. How do we deal with the condemnation, guilt, and shame? You let Jesus have it. Jesus wants you to know he didn't just bear your guilt for sin on the cross. He bore your shame as well. His stripes were for your healing. His blood was for your forgiveness. His crown of thorns were for those worries that plague your mind. But his nakedness, he went to the cross naked. His nakedness was for your shame. He bore it. He took it off of you and put it on himself when he got onto that cross. And he died that thing away. It is dead and buried and never to be resurrected again. You must let him have the shame that has plagued you for far too long. He wants it. He has died it away. He paid for it. Mm. When you let Jesus have the guilt and the shame and the condemnation, you begin to be able to live life on God's terms. Living light, life in the light because it's safe there. You can come out there. You don't feel like you have to hide any longer and carry those secrets around with you. Colossians 1, 13 to 14 said, God rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the Son that he loves so much. The Son who got us out of that pit we were in. He got you out. He delivered you. And he got rid of the sins that we were doomed to keep repeating. You have been rescued. The solution is living life in the light. In the light of Jesus' love. It's perfectly safe there. There's no reason to hide anymore. There's no reason to live a life of secrets anymore. 
You know, the reason why we do that is because we're afraid that somebody's going to be ashamed of us, that somebody's going to be disappointed in us. I was, I was afraid, and I walked around feeling like I had disappointed God. I didn't worry about him being angry with me. I worried about him being disappointed in me because I had failed him. But let me just tell you this. Disappointment, for it to even exist, requires that there's unmet expectations. And for somebody to have an expectation of you, it means that they're expecting you to do something when they don't really know whether you're going to do it. For Jesus to be disappointed in you would mean that he's not omniscient, that he doesn't know everything, that you have never met his expectations, but he knows everything about you. He knows it all. He knows you thoroughly. He's not shocked when you make that decision. It didn't scare him when you made that bad decision back then. He knows every decision that you have ever made and everyone you will ever make. It's impossible for him to be disappointed in you. Why? Because he has joined himself to you. If you have received Jesus into your heart. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, those who are joined with the Lord are one spirit with him. You are one with him. He has made you one with you, with him. For him to be disappointed in you would mean he'd have to be disappointed in himself. He's not disappointed in himself. He has perfected forever those who are being made holy. Amen. Jesus' only desire for you is to be lifted back into that place of light and truth. He wants you to experience what's in his heart for you, his pure love and his pure acceptance. That's the place where shame is dead. That's the place where condemnation and guilt are dead in the perfect love and acceptance of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Shame and condemnation and guilt are dead when we turn our face to the light of his love and we let him just wash that stuff right off of us and tell us who we are. Romans 8, 1 and 2 in the message. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that faithful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a low-lying black cloud of condemnation, guilt, and shame. We no longer have to live under that low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Hallelujah. You have been set free. The chains of those weights that you have been carrying around have been snapped. They have been dealt with. You can let it go. You can receive the love that he has for you and the acceptance. It's safe there. So how do we lose the weight? How do we lose it? After all of this, we've been hearing about how God loves us and he accepts us, how we don't have to be battered by these lies anymore, live a life of secrets and hiding. So let's get to the point. How are we going to get them pounds off? I see the wheels turning. What's the secret? 
How do we lose the weight? Is it keto? Is it shakes? (laughs) Is it getting on the treadmill for an hour? (laughs) What do I do? I want to tell you, you've got the very resurrection life living on the inside of you. You've got the heart of the Father. So if that weight you've been carrying around with you is a broken relationship, you've got the heart of the Father inside of you that knows how to repair that relationship, and he will lead you right down that path to that person that you need to be in relationship with again. You have the mind of Christ. Connie taught us about that last week. You think his thoughts. You have his mind. You know how to do things. You know what the right answer is for you. And you've got the genius of the Holy Spirit. You've hit the jackpot. You've got the heart of the Father. You've got the mind of Christ. You've got the genius of the Holy Spirit. I think that's a pretty good setup, don't you, Connie? Hallelujah. Your heart is getting healed up to believe that you can lose the weight that has held you back. Whatever weight that is. Whatever you're dealing with. God is so good. He's not holding out on you. He reveals the plan to you. He reveals it to your heart. Do you know why? Because you're a child of God. Romans 8, 14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. You're a child of God. You're led by His Spirit. You've got the mind of Christ. You have the genius of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You're led. Take a step. Do one thing. Just one. All through Scripture we see examples where God led His people just to do one thing. And it led them out of the bondage that they were in. When you think of Abraham, all God told him to do was get up, Abraham. Get out of that land of war. I've got a plan for you. Get up and leave. I've got a plan to prosper you. You're in a land that believes in lack. They worship mammon, the God of lack. Get out of there. I'm going to prosper you. What did Abraham do? Where's my map? Where's my plan? Oh, I've got to have 30 days for this or this step for that. No, he got out of that land. He got up and they left. Did he know where he was going? Not right off the bat. No, he didn't. But he took a step and he started down a path because he trusted his father was good and that his father was going to lead him into the promise that he had made for him. Oh, my goodness. Jesus will reveal to your heart what will work for you. I guarantee it. You will have thoughts as you meditate on his love. Your thoughts will drift to something that you can do, that you're going to have peace over, and that's the difference. Because you're going to have, it's not going to bring you anxiety. It's not going to, like, bring you fear or defeat. It's going to bring you peace because he's working in you to bring you to the right solution. You know, everybody has the solution to lose weight. Just ask them. They'll tell you. Look it up on the Internet. Go to Google. You'll be there for weeks just reading everybody's opinion on what's the best way to lose weight. But is that the best way for you? God's plan is the best way for you. You are led by his Holy Spirit. He knows you, and he knows what will work for you. So if you're feeling stuck, I got some hope for you, because there were some people that were feeling stuck 
back in the Bible reminds me of the Israelites when they were enslaved to Egypt in Exodus chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. It says, Now I have heard their painful cries. I know they were slaves in Egypt. I remember my agreement. So tell the Israelites that I say to them, I am the Lord. I will save you. I will use my great power to make you free. I am the Lord your God, and you will know that I made you free from Egypt. I made a great promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I promised to give them a special land so I will lead you to that land. I will give you that land. It will be yours. I am the Lord. How many times did he say you in that paragraph? Who will do it? Will you do it? No, he does it. God said, I will lead them. I will. I am the Lord. I will save you. I will make you free. I will use my great power. It's him at work in you, leading you. Hallelujah. Then we cried out to the Lord, help us, rescue us. And he did. His light broke through the darkness and led us out into freedom from death's dark shadow and snapped every one of our chains. Do we deliver ourselves? He does it. Let me tell you this. It is absolutely, unequivocally the will of God for you to walk in health. His word says that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. It is his will for you to live an abundant life. I believe that with all of my heart. I am convinced in every fiber of my being. And I am just so thankful that I get to preach it out. But I want to leave you with this Last segment, Greg preached this out on Sunday. I'm telling you, if you haven't heard his message from victor, victim to victor, you need to hear this message. It was so powerful. But this is an excerpt from what he said on Sunday. The will of God for your situation is that heaven erupt into your life, into your body, into your world, and into your relationships. How does heaven erupt? We agree with the supernatural life of Jesus in us, and we speak it out, out of our mouths. We agree with the supernatural life of Jesus, and we speak it out of our mouths. We embrace it in our minds and in our hearts, then we speak it out. The life we live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God, in what he said about us, in what he did on the cross. We have to dramatically change what the world says we ought to believe. He set us free from any bondage that had us bound. And we were, whether we were aware of them or not, you've been set free of them. We don't have to fix the problem. All we have to do is recognize the lies and then begin saying what Jesus says over our life. Jesus, this is not true about my life. This is not the life that you have for me. I'm going to believe what you have to say about me. Apply Jesus to your life. Embrace what he says. Let him define your life. If it doesn't line up, with what Jesus says about you, 
it's not true. And that's not you. Jesus is what's true about you. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you that you have snapped every one of our chains. Father, I thank you that your word is going deeper and deeper into our hearts and into our minds and that you let it settle down on us. I thank you that you will not leave us in darkness. You have not left us in the pit, but you have rescued us. And you're there with us in the middle of everything. Thank you for your saving grace that speaks truth to our hearts when the lies try to hold us captive. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.